is Martha. And I'm Colby. And this is the Shit You Need to Know podcast. The show where we talk about what you need to know to live your best millennial life. Listen in each week as we talk about everything from our favorite pizza to how to drop your toxic friends. We ask each other the questions and somewhere between us, there's an answer. Because there's shit you need to know. Hey, I'm Martha. And I'm Colby. We're on the Shit You Need to Know podcast, a podcast where we talk about the things you need to know and some things you didn't. Welcome back. This is our second ever time recording as co-hosts. And you can tell. And we just fucked up. <laughs> we just fucked up a lot of times before we started this. So anyway, business as usual. The poll of the week. Business as new. <laughs> what? <laughs> No, this isn't usual. It's new. We we've recorded one episode. That's not usual yet. We're getting there. Okay. Well, I meant the poll. You didn't let me finish oh. there. Yikes. As usual, we will get right into the poll of the week. This time it is Disney Channel or Nick. Which one did you watch more as a kid? I watched Disney Channel. Um, I always thought Nick was for boys, and I know that's not really like a great answer, uh, but I didn't really, I don't know. I, Cat Dog freaked me out. What was it, like Fairly Odd Parents too? Like my brother was more into that. I was way more into like Even Stevens, Cadet Kelly, um, any of the Disney Channel original movies. What about you? Disney Channel did not have enough cartoons for me. I lived for my Nicktoons. Do you remember my life as a teenage robot? Never watched one minute of that show. Low-key, great show. It got screwed over by Nickelodeon like so many other cartoons. Like, oh, what's the one? It was with the Chalk chalk Zone. Chalk Zone, another great one. Literally, I think you're making shows up. I'm not. I'm literally not. Listen, if you have seen an episode of Chalk Zone, tweet at me, at Colby Complains, where he's got the chalk. It is a great show, and I love it. And also SpongeBob and Rugrats and Fairly Odd Parents and Jimmy Neutron, all great shows. I watched Jimmy Neutron. I think that was the one I maybe liked the best. Wasn't there a movie? Was there a Jimmy Neutron movie? Yeah, the movie was the pilot for the show, pretty much. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I definitely watched that. I used to play the SpongeBob SquarePants video game. That, that's all I have to say about that. I had the typing game because I was bad at typing and my parents <laughs> needed me to get better at typing. But I won I won my typing test in third grade. I was the fastest typer. It took me a minute. <laughs> it's okay. I still can't tell time as we know. So <laughs> I was just looking. So like right before this, I texted Colby and I was like, hey, my Skype's not working. And then the, I saw the last text from you was like, are you sleeping while you're supposed to be podcast recording? Because <laughs> I didn't have the time right. Because I we're in different time zones. So you're in what, Eastern? Yes. And so I'm in Central. Eastern Daylight Time. Eastern Daylight Time, not Eastern whatever the fuck standard time yet. Which I learned there's a difference. There's a difference between CST and CDT. And I don't give a fuck. It's whatever. Until you're late for the podcast. <laughs> Until I'm late for the podcast. Then I, then I understand that time matters. Anyways, speaking of Twitter, we have launched a couple new accounts. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Real Martha Riley. That's not new. But you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at SYNTK Pod. Again, that's SYNTK Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we don't tweet much or post much, but we'll get better at that going forward. Yeah, we will. And like I said, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Colby Complains, C O L B Y Complains. 
My Twitter is not for the public eyes, so you'll never hear me say that. If you look through my mentions enough, you'll find it. (laughs) We are going to be doing a passion month on Shit You Need to Know for this first month that we are recording together. So this first episode, we're going to talk about the things we're passionate about and what it means to us, how we got into them, how we keep doing it, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, and we decided to make it easier on our lives. We're just going to sort of have theme months to begin with. So this one is Passion Month. Uh, for the life of me, I cannot remember what we decided next month is going to be. Oh, growing up month. So that that's something to look forward to. Um, it doesn't really mean much for you right now because the content will still be the same, but they're just going to have little, little... Story polls, storylines. What are those called? Connections. Just think of the all the lines connecting where all the rivers and lakes are in uh, Stranger Things. Okay, never. That Winona Ryder connects. Do that. Never. I've never seen that. But why haven't you watched Stranger Things? It's not important. We're not talking about that now. <laughs> I'm passionate about Stranger Things. And I am passionate about people and learning people's stories and what makes them tick. So a little story time for me. This is how we decided this is going to go. I mean, I can say that I'm passionate about people, but what does that really mean? I think I'm really interested in, and I always have been interested in, like how other people function and what makes them passionate, what makes them excited. So I guess it's like a passion meta thing, I guess. Very postmodern passion here. <laughs> but how that came about and I when I realized that I was passionate about people, I think I started becoming extra passionate about people and friendship and meeting people and like learning more about them in junior year of college. Cause I came back from study abroad. As you guys know, I studied abroad in London. Um, oh my God, you studied abroad? Yeah, I did. No, it's just a a joke that people who study abroad only talk about studying abroad. Only talk about studying abroad. So, yes, I studied abroad in London and it was really cool to like go out there and see how different people live. Like I went to Denmark, I went to Spain, I went to France and just in between those countries, even though they're like pretty close, like I want to say that here, like London to France would be closer than here to Texas. We all know how Texas, are we anti-Texas on the show? No. Okay. We're not. I'm only anti El Paso because I did not like my time while I was there. But that's the only city I've been to in Texas. So it's like Minnesota and Texas is about three hours. I think London and France are different. I know London is not the country, but that's where I study abroad. And even just those slight like different time zones, different, I guess, islands or continents or whatever. I'm not quite sure of the land name, landmass name. Um, The island is called Great Britain. Okay, thank you. Thank you, but I don't know what the I don't know what France is on. I guess the continent of Europe. There you go. It was just all very different. It was very cool to see how people like took the same thing and made it different. So France or like in Paris, I ate at a lot of different restaurants. Um, and London is not really known for their food. And Denmark, it was very designed, very modern. And in France, it's still very old. They're all, it's like, it's very different. So I think when I came back from studying abroad, I didn't really have a lot of friends there. And that was kind of a bummer. But when I came back for some reason, I was like, 
with a vengeance. I wanted to make friends because I felt that I needed to make up for my time there. The best way to make friends with vengeance. (laughs) Vengeance friend making. I needed to fucking do it. Um, (laughs) I don't half-ass friendship. Hey, that's a motto. You really don't. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds threatening. (laughs) I told you. Whatever. Hey, listen, I'm here, aren't I? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so I started to make friends with a vengeance, the best way to make friends, because I became so much more interested in how things work and like how people click. So I was always sort of an outsider, but then You know, another part of this was I started really opening up and being myself um, and talking about my life more. And I realized that by doing that and just studying like informally, anthropologically, whatever you want to call it, studying how people work together, they move together, they interact with each other and like opening up, I was like, oh, it's actually pretty easy to make friends. All people want are like love and belonging. That's all we want. Everyone wants the same thing. That's why we're here. There's like a hierarchy of needs. That's not wrong. I discovered that they wanted to feel like they belong somewhere. So if I could be myself and be like, oh, hey, I struggled with that too. Or like I had anxiety too. And this is how I dealt with it. People really started to open up to me. And I don't know why. And it continues to happen to this day which I'm not mad about. I mean, like I'm happy to have the friends that I do and I'm, and I'm happy to learn more about people. I just, I just think it's really interesting and definitely like a study like, Oh, okay. If I'm myself and if I open up, people respond well to that. I did find out that it was really intimidating on dates when I sort of started telling my whole life story. I don't think people like that. Like they definitely did not now that I think about that, but I think like being friends, like I'm so not into superficial connection and I'd rather know what your dreams were when you were 12 rather than the whatever the fuck you ate for dinner last night. What did you eat for dinner last night? What did I eat for dinner last night? I don't even remember. See, yeah, because it's not important. It's really not important. <laughs> that's, my, that's my point. I think another story that helps my point here is when I, I think when I was a junior or maybe like first semester senior, I did this group therapy program and it was all based on Brene Brown did a Ted talk on vulnerability. And we sort of like went through this curriculum of, okay, how can we be more vulnerable? How can we give ourselves permission to do things? Um, And at the end of the program, one of the girls said to me, they're like, Martha, you're really open and honest about everything. And I really admire that. And I was like, oh, thanks, I think, because I hadn't realized that I had just along the way became this person who was okay with herself suddenly and I think that's just like really fascinating that I was able to do that without even noticing and bringing that on other people, like other people notice when I am myself and when I'm weird and when I'm open. Um, And I really appreciate that. So I think that's sort of why I'm passionate about people is that everyone's super different. And if I can find a way to like make your life better or, you know, be a good friend, I will do that because like that doesn't take much time. It's super easy to be like, okay, what's your favorite book? What's your favorite color? And then build a common connection on that. It's also important to like continue to cultivate that connection. And that's something that I've been struggling with recently 
or just like it's it, like for me, it's very easy to make friends and to get to know people, but it can be pretty hard to keep those friends just because life is busy. You, I don't know, get in a relationship and you don't talk to people as much or I don't know, you just you have different interests or you realize that your favorite color was maybe the only thing you had in common. No, I get it. I remember when I was an RA, which so I was an RA for three years. My last year, I was a RA mentor. And what I probably learned the most over those three years is that opening yourself up helps other people to open up so that you can. So when they come to me with a problem, which they came to me with lots and lots and lots of problems, uh, I was able to, you know, help them get to that point where they could, you know, they could honestly find out the answer that they needed for themselves. I guess it, it provides like a safe space for them to be themselves, for them to like ask you a question. Because I know that a lot of people have a really hard time asking for help. So I think that you were able to do that is really great. And you were obviously like very good at it, I assume, if you were doing it for three years. Yeah, I got promoted. So I'll take that. Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing is that I found though is that it's kind of like a muscle and it takes practice. Mm. And now that I have not been around a bunch of people, like when my first two years I had about 40 residents, my last year I had close to 50, maybe 55 residents. Like I was doing it all the time. I was saying, hey, to all my residents, I was walking by their rooms, checking in, doing all that sort of stuff. Now I don't have that responsibility over X amount of people, I don't do the vulnerability thing as easily. And I feel myself going back to kind of how I was my first year of school, where I was a bit more reserved in that aspect. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think it's important to me in my life to like not lose that muscle just because I've been there and I've been that friendless weirdo who doesn't drink in college like you know like that's a big thing like that's a big boundary it shouldn't be but it is so I think for me and this is again why I'm so passionate about people is that I I think there's so many different people to get to know and I think that's really cool and I I I don't want to know them all but I want to be able to like let a lot of them into my life and learn from them too. I think that's, that's something important too. Like you can learn from people, you can like the people are in your life for different reasons, I guess. And and that's really cool to me. Like you're in my life for a specific reason. My friend, we'll call him Jake is in my life for a specific reason. And I think that really like ties us together nicely because you know, these people are in your life, you're learning from them, you're growing together, and then you either continue to grow together or you grow apart. And that's fine too. So I think, you know, I'm just like to tie it all up again, I'm passionate about people because the learning never really stops. And I'm a huge learner. Um, I love learning different things. Do you think people are in your life for a specific reason? Yeah, absolutely. I don't necessarily believe in coincidences. I think life is very purposeful and there's a lot of intent in my life. I'm like, I live my life with intention. Um, So I believe that these people are like coming in to my life because there's a certain thing that I'm supposed to get out of them. 
Like, that sounds bad. It's not like a transaction between us. It's more what, how can I give to them as well as what do I need? Like, what lesson do I need to learn from them? Um, Because I I think it's very, you know, mutually beneficial. Like, people are mutually beneficial to each other. And you all sort of have to believe the best in them, you know? Otherwise, you can't really lead your life hating on everyone and everything. You can, but that's not really any way to live. I feel like there are a lot of coincidences and just because they're coincidences doesn't make them, I'm not saying that this is what you're saying, but like, yeah, doesn't make them any less significant. Cause I feel like if I had never wandered into a bedroom at a party and saw uh, my friend David Rivero sitting there, like, I don't think that we would have ever had the friendship that we had. And there's like, I don't think there was any like specific reason or like force like drawing us to that room. It's just that we met, we clicked, we talked for a bit and then we, that friendship started blooming from there. Same thing with, um, same thing with like my current partners. Like we, when we met, we were both like in the right place in the right time for each other. Yeah. I don't think there was any like fate thing, you know, it's just kind of, we were, we were both there and we've made the most out of it for however many years. I know how many years I'm just not going to say here for (laughs) as many years as we, um, as we've been together, you know? Yeah. I I think that makes sense too. I, I think that's sort of the mystery of life really is what do you choose to believe? What, you know, lessons are you learning from it? And then at the end of the day, it's sort of like, how can you take these things and be a better person? I think that's why I'm so interested in people and making friends and learning about them because I I, I guess it's like I also value them, value you as a person. Man, this is getting cheesy as hell. Um, like My whole heart. But yeah, you value these people and I don't know, you don't want to let them go. I think I just, I, I'm passionate about people is because they provide a sense of love and belonging for me. So you just heard me ramble about people and I don't know if any of that made sense, but I think my passion came off. Like, I think that was pretty clear that I, this is I don't, I, maybe I can't exactly articulate why I'm so passionate about people and what they do for me, but I think you could tell that I was like super intense about it. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say about your passion. Yeah, mine's a lot less deep. Mine's just sports. I, um, it, sports have always kind of been in my life. Like, I remember from a, a really young age, I remember my dad sitting in a room down the hall uh, watching my dad watch football because I had no idea what was happening. And, like, seeing the emotions that it pulled out of him. I know for, like, the things I'm thinking of, it was football, Carolina Panthers playing. And I just always wanted to be a part of that, like, that community that I didn't even know was a community when I was a kid. I know I started watching football when I was seven because it was in 2003 and I got really lucky that the first year I started watching football in North Carolina is when the Panthers went to the Super Bowl, their first Super Bowl for the first time against the Patriots. 
Unfortunately, they lost Super Bowl 38. And the most famous thing from that Super Bowl is Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. We'll get into that in a different time. But <laughs> it's just everything just kind of blossomed from there. Like before that, I played soccer as a kid, you know, and I was doing that. My dad played basketball when he was in high school. So that was his big thing of pushing me to do. He put me in basketball when I was six. When I was eight or nine, he was my rec league coach and he kept being my coach all through from eight to 17. So that's 10 years of nonstop basketball. I don't know how many of y'all out there are coaches, kids, but you know, you go to practice, you get coached, you go get in the car to go home. You get told everything you did wrong and right while you were <laughs> while you were on the court. Whenever he was watching basketball and he saw something interesting, he called me into the room and rewinded and showed me what happened. And that kind of was slash is our bond is talking about and you know, just having that conversation be about sports and that be the way that we can, you know, show our love for each other is definitely like a quality time if we're getting into like the love language suits types of thing. It's definitely like a quality time thing going on. Do you feel that you would have found sports another way or that it would be like completely different if you had found it and your dad didn't help you out with it or help you find it? I would have, I think I would have gotten there eventually, probably not as intense. Like, I don't think it's coming across like how much I love football. Like this, so as we're recording it, it's August 28th. There is like real meaningful football tomorrow and I'm so happy. <laughs> um, Georgia Tech's playing Clemson and I'm sure Clemson killed Georgia Tech, but I'm going to love the cold takes exposed um, when, um, when Georgia Tech beats Clemson. And then I'm going to a football game this weekend. My school, North Carolina, is playing South Carolina and Charlotte. And then I know the Panthers play next week, their first game of the season and I have them all on my calendar and <laughs> to make sure like I set aside time to watch these games part of the reason I went to Carolina like I'm not gonna lie is because of the basketball for those of you who aren't as into the sports so Carmichael Jim at Carolina is also known as the house that Jordan built and being able to go to Carolina, albeit women's basketball games, nothing against the women's basketball program. It's just not the men don't play there anymore. Um, being able to be in that building where Michael Jordan played and James Worthy and all these other amazing Dean Smith coach there, being able to be in the Dean Dome and look up to my left when I was in the band and see all the national championships and look up to the right and see all the honored and retired jerseys and all the history there. And everyone who goes to these games, everyone wearing Carolina blue, except for the old people who are wearing their work clothes, and <laughs> you hear like the Tar Heels chant going and it just gets it the chills that it brings. It's a, it's a sensation I wish everyone could feel. And I feel like the people who have had like a bad experience with sports or like there was like a bully for them that was like a jock. I feel really bad for them because I it's such a great feeling to have that community. It's like, OK, we just did we, yes, we, the team, just did this amazing thing and there's all these people around. Or, hey, we just lost a national championship on a buzzer beater to one of our players' brothers. Um, and now we're all just going to have 
literally. So 2016, Carolina lost the national championship on a buzzer beater three-pointer. And the day after on campus was the saddest I have ever seen. Like, it's literally that day and the day after Trump got elected oh are the quietest I've ever heard. <laughs> like, it was comparable silence on campus. It was, it's incredible to be a part of a community like that. And I wish everyone could could feel that at some point. So, okay, the only time I ever played basketball, um, I think I was in third grade, I made two shots. Uh, one of them was for the other team. Oh, no. So I, I am at a net zero basketball career. <laughs> but I get it. Like, the way you talk about football, the way you talk about basketball, it definitely, like, has shaped you and, and your identity. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think there's a lot of, like cultural touchstones in sports that you can sort of pull off of. Like Michael Jordan was really influential and he paved the way for a lot of people. And I think it's great that you had such a positive experience with that because you can hopefully turn, you know, return the favor and help your future kids or your friends who maybe didn't have a good experience in sports or like, or want to try sports start to rethink that. So I think that's, I mean, like, that's really cool. Is there, is there anything like particular you like? Like, do you like the marching band? I know you like music. Do you like the competition? All of the above? So like going back to like the, the history type thing, like American history and sports are so intertwined. Like it's unbelievable how much American history is woven in with sports. If you look back at like the 1868 Olympics in Mexico city, where the two American sprinters did their protests with the black um, gloves fists during the national anthem was one of the biggest stories in the country that year. And then you look at Lou Alcindor who changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to protest some of the injustice he felt as a black American. And you look at Muhammad Ali, who was drafted to go to Korea and, oh, not Korea, to go to Vietnam, and famously said that no Vietnamese person ever called him the N-word. Like, there are so many things in American history that are touching sports. Go back to Michael Jordan, where his big political message during the Olympics is the Olympics, I believe, weren't a Nike sponsor. Like the Nike did not sponsor the um, U.S. men's national team for basketball. And Michael Jordan draped himself in an American flag so that he wouldn't be seen wearing something not Nike. Like that happened. And that was a story in the um, 1992 Olympics. There are so many things that (laughs) revolve. Like American culture is so wrapped around sports and it's really fascinating. I could talk about this forever. So do you think people are missing out if they don't know sports? Like half the things you mentioned, I had no idea about and maybe that's like a failing on me no well it could be we're not saying no but (laughs) (laughs) like do you think people are missing out if they don't like sports or is there something like I don't know like for me I was on the swim team and that was no one cares about swimming besides maybe I don't know a million people in the whole world I don't know that might be uh, whatever but and and so many people care about basketball, baseball, and football. It just felt like I never even really got that experience. Mm-hmm. And I and maybe that's why I'm not super invested in the history, at least yet. I mean, we've only been friends for not that long. So, 
No, I think there might be something to that where there, like, if I like, am going to break this up, if we're looking at like strictly the history aspect, I think that a lot of the things that people hear for the first time, um, people don't realize that this isn't the first time that this is happening, especially when strikes happen or like Colin Kaepernick um, kneeling during the anthem. Like that is far from the first person to protest during national anthem to bring something political into the American national anthem to a bunch of different national anthems. If you look on the world stage, like there is so much precedent to things that are happening that a lot of people, I don't think immediately recognize. I think the other aspect, like the more cultural, like knowing things aspect, I think I have a warped view because like, you know how people say like parks and recreation is like the show I I throw on when I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Whatever. Friends, the office, whatever. Mine is sports center. Like I just have ESPN like going in the background all the time. So I feel like when I log on to my carefully curated Twitter, like everyone's talking about sports all the time. And I feel like if someone were in a space where that was more of the vibe, like a school like Carolina is, or like one of the bigger name schools, um, brand name schools, I think that might feel alienating, honestly. Yeah. I mean, like at the university of Minnesota, go Gophers. Yeah. Go Gophers. Uh, we never, sold out any of our games except for women's volleyball when they started doing really well. But there was always tickets for football. There were always tickets for basketball, which is kind of sad. Like we're a big 10 school. We should be maybe, you know, more excited about this, but we just weren't. No one really ever went to football games, at least in my circle of friends, because it was just, we were going to lose anyways. So why even bother, you know? So do you feel like that as a sports fan, when like your favorite team loses does it feel personal to you i guess is what i'm trying to say um not as much as it did a couple years ago i i like will freely admit like if when the when sundays start rolling around and the panthers inevitably lose games it's going to ruin my sunday absolutely it used to ruin my week wow <laughs> when the panthers lost yikes yeah it used to be very much like my mood was centered around whether or not Cam Newton threw more touchdowns and interceptions. And that is not a healthy place to be. That was definitely where I was for uh, a good amount of my sport watching. I think now working in sports has helped me detach a little bit and still be able sure. to have that passion. Um, I am notoriously on my other podcast. I am the rational one. <laughs> that whenever like like I try not to catastrophize I try not to go like the this is the worst thing that's ever happened or like hey we're like the best team ever like I am very much try to be as realistic as possible um, but it is very much a if the Panthers win I'm going to be a very happy person how is North Carolina overall as a sports state because I know there's like this joke that Minnesota sports fans you know, it's good when it's good, but when we lose, like, we're not really surprised because we're not that good at anything. Are you guys, like, good at everything? Do you even have a basketball team? Oh, my goodness. 
We're going to have to work on this. Okay. <laughs> so let's take it back, shall we? All right. Okay. Let's right. go back pre-World War II. North Carolina was very much a football state, a college football state. So up north, professional sports are very much more popular than college. In the south, there it, the argument can be made that college sports are more popular than the professional sports down here. Okay. Pre-war, college football ran this state. You had Duke, who was coached by Wallace Wade, who was from, he had just finished or was about to go coach Alabama, who, as you might know, is very, very good at football. Uh, North Carolina was also very good at football. North Carolina State was not good at either of these sports. And they were like, okay, we need to find something we're competitive in. They said, okay, we're going to get the best men's college basketball coach and we're going to try to run this state. The war came, all the football players left. Oh, shit, yeah. To go fight in the war. And they get back. State's pretty decent at basketball. And Carolina and Duke are trying to catch up at this point. And that's when Carolina hires a coach whose name I forget from New York. And he brings all these New York City kids down where basketball was, like, very, very important. And Carolina starts dog walking state, honestly. And then uh, Duke does the same thing. And then state in the 70s hires Jim Valvano. And that's when North Carolina becomes a college basketball state. So bring it into present day. North Carolina is very much a college basketball state. You are a Carolina or a Duke fan. There are some state fans. There are no Wake Forest fans. I will say the biggest rivalry in college sports is Carolina and Duke. Between the two, there are a Carolina has seven, Duke has five national championships. There are 12 national championships between both schools. Yeah. So it is very competitive. In the last 100 meetings, there are, the teams are separated by like 10 points. Very competitive all the time. Very much college basketball sport. So if there's something, there's always something to watch. We do have the Panthers, they are wildly inconsistent. They are literally the most volatile franchise in football where they either go to the Super Bowl or they are four and 12. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like the Vikings. (laughs) The Vikings are like 20 times more consistent than the Panthers. Like there people have, there's a study on like the most volatile teams like year to year. The Panthers are by far the most volatile. 2019 is an odd year. So we should be good. We're good on odd years, bad on even years. So we'll see how this goes. Um, and then we also have the Charlotte Hornets who um, got here in the 80s, the late 80s. The Panthers got here in the mid-90s. What the fuck are the Charlotte Hornets? They're a basketball team. Are they professional? Yeah, they're the NBA basketball team, the Charlotte Hornets. I have literally never heard of that in my life until right now. I'm not joking. I had no idea yeah. you guys had a basketball team. Wow. We, we have the Hornets, the Hive, Buzz City, Charlotte. The Hornets got here in the late 80s, and then in 2003, um, the owner picked up the franchise and relocated to New Orleans, became New Orleans Hornets, who are now the New Orleans Pelicans. Hmm. And then in 2005, a couple years later, because our basketball is so big here, we got a new owner to put a franchise back in Charlotte. They became the Bobcats. Were the Bobcats for a long time. The New Orleans Hornets gave up the Hornets name, gave it back to Charlotte, and Charlotte became the Hornets again. And then a couple years ago, maybe three or four years ago, uh, Michael Jordan bought the team. So Michael Jordan owns the Charlotte um, Hornets because he's or he's not from here, but he grew up in Wilmington. Like he's very much like a North Carolina kid. I don't know that. Why would I have known that? There's no reason for you to. So yeah, we are very much a. 
college basketball state. Um, college baseball is good too. And lacrosse, weirdly. I don't know why we're good at lacrosse. We steal all of our kids from Maryland. But so listening to this and and listening to myself talk, or at least hearing myself talk. I feel like there are some similarities in our passions. I think so. Because I think that, so like I find connection and belonging in people um, and you find connection and belonging in sports, like the community that you like so much and all the parts of it. And I, I think that's very, that's a very interesting comparison. What do you think? Oh, for sure. Like I will all, I feel like everyone says this, but like Carolina fans are the best and the worst. Mm -hmm. Like I can't, I can't stand Carolina basketball fans, but they're my people. And right. You know, we're going to roll with this, um, with the team, no matter what they, hopefully no matter what they do. Um, Panthers fans like Panthers Twitter, I feel like is so fun. And when Sundays roll around and we start doing the riverboat run, gifts and I'll explain to you what Riverboat Ron is whenever we get to the football episode. It just gets really fun. And I I love those times being able to watch games with my partner who is now into football and it makes me really happy. There you go. Where she'll now watch games without me. And she'll like text me updates on what's happening whenever I'm busy and it's I love it. It's my favorite thing. That's cute. I know. I, so that my passion is everything I've just spouted for like the past <laughs> 20 minutes. Like I, whenever I get deep into something, like I go all the way in. Like I took multiple classes about the history of sports. My major was sport administration. Like I, I went all the way in. I feel like that's the same with me. Like if I know someone and we click, like I do want to know everything about you. Maybe not what you ate for dinner last night, whatever, like not necessarily superficial things, but I want to know like how did your parents' relationship affect your life or like what what is something interesting about you that no one else knows? And I don't know why, like it's a weird thing and I can't, I don't know why that like this is my passion or like why I'm so interested in different types of people. Maybe I should become a psychologist. I don't know. But it just has always been that everyone is different and we all have our different things. And I think that's super cool. That's just, that's what makes life interesting for me. And sports is what makes life interesting for you too. And I think along with the learning thing, like, the thing with sports is that it's always changing. Like if you go and look at, there was a video circulating a couple weeks ago of a college basketball game from the forties and like how they were playing then. And I was watching it and I was like, I could run these cats right now. Like if you put me on that court, like I will run them out the gym. And like, there are so many things that change and get better and the players keep getting better and the minds keep getting better and the coaching and the scheming keeps getting better. There's always yeah. something to learn. I was listening to a podcast last month about the different ways they use analytics to try to figure out like what is actually an attempted tackle. What does, what do yards after contact mean? What does contact mean? How do you quantify contact? And I listened to this woman talk about contact for 15 minutes <laughs> And it's just, I, I love learning and this is a way for me to learn, but fun for me at least. Right. Like now I feel like I need to change my answer is maybe my passion isn't people and getting to know them, but it is just learning in some way, shape or form. And I guess that's what we're going to be doing each week is learning more about each other and learning about different things really and what they mean to us. So that's exciting. That's a cool thing that we're going to do. A little friendship bonding thing. 
I can't wait until I can teach you what a bear front is in football. Oh, God. That's next week, though. Hey, you can tell me which child's name is George. He's the oldest. He's the old. So, the but oldest. George is a child, right? Yes. He's not one of the grown ones. Okay, cool. Nope. Listen, see, listen, we're going to get you're there. You're already done. You're already, you're <laughs> like a fifth of the way. No, just you've, you've a long way to go. <laughs> I, I think that, yeah, that's like another cool thing of like why we're doing Passion Month is we grew up in completely different circumstances. I'm a northern kid. I don't like going outside. I think it's way too hot when it gets over 85, as we established previously. <laughs> 85 isn't hot. It was literally oh 85 God, today. No, that's it was it was actually kind of cold today here. But anyways, let us know what your passion is. Send us a video of you talking about your passion. No one's going to do that. Don't do that. I won't watch it. I'm telling you now I'm not going to watch it. But I'll listen to you if you tweet it at us. You can tweet it at us at SYNTKpod on Twitter. Obviously, that's where you fucking tweet. Instagram <laughs> at SYNTKpod. Or you can find Colby on Twitter and me on Instagram, uh, whatever your preferred media. Or you just fucking email us at host at shityouneedtoknow.com. We'll get it either way. There is some way to contact us in the show notes. But we are very passionate people and... If there's something that resonated with you in this episode that you're super excited about, let us know because we'd love to hear from you. Um, everyone's a passionate person about something. Maybe it's like Dungeons and Dragons or the latest Star Wars movie, which I have thoughts on that, but we're not going to get into it. And the people that I will offend probably don't listen to my podcast, so that's good. If it's music theory, tweet it all to me. <laughs> just just feed me all the music theory. I'll, I'll love it. And I am passionate about the royal family. I'm passionate about pizza, specifically cheese pizza. I'm passionate about drinking water. <laughs> I'm the most boring white girl ever. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's true what you said about us growing up differently. Like I am, I'm a Southern kid. I'm where I like be. I like talking to you because I don't feel very southern here like i feel kind of like a black sheep but then like i talk to you and I'm like wow i am right i'm a bit of a country kid and i didn't realize it <laughs> you've never had squirrel biscuit and it shows because i don't know what that is <laughs> you've never had a tater tot hot dish my friend uh, why why would the dish be cold is my question it's not cold <laughs> what the fuck what do you think a hot dish is why i'm saying why do you have to designate it hot it was just the name I mean, if it's like Luke, if I just got a dish and I was like, this is a lukewarm dish. Like, I'm not going to, why do you, why do you have to tell me that it's hot? I, I can feel that it's hot. I am ending the podcast here. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Shit You Need to Know podcast. You will see us back next week with a continuation of Passion Month in which Colby teaches me football because I'm in a fantasy football league this year and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So we're going to have some fun with that. See you next week. Find us online at www.shityouneedtoknow.com or needtoknow.show and on Twitter and Instagram at SYNTKpod. Thank you.
you to Stephen Boyd and DJ Empirical for all things sound. And thanks to Sir and Purs for the artwork. Big shouts to Irene, even though you don't listen to the podcast. And don't forget to rate us five stars and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And we'll talk soon. That was good. Whoop.